0: Right, right, I'm here with Joel Harrison. Uh, Joel Harrison is a guitarist, educator, composer, improviser, uh, author now, and uh, he has a lot of new stuff coming out, uh, or that has recently come out. A uh, few albums, as well as this book, Guitar Talk, Conversations with Visionary Players. And uh, I'm really excited to go through a bunch of uh, shop talk about guitar, but uh, I, the question I always start off with is just an icebreaker of, uh, do you drink coffee? If so, can you tell me about your coffee drinking habits? Or your drinking <laughs> habits? Do you have a, a beverage that you feel any affinity towards?
1: <laughs> oh, well, I do find it's uh, important to my creative process in the morning. But I, I'm not too particular. I I just do a pour over with, with dark beans. Straight up,
0: straightforward. No no milk or sugar or anything?
1: A, uh, sometimes a little maple syrup. Ooh, okay.
0: That's a new one. <laughs> yeah um well that was quick and easy um uh, i guess like in uh interviewing all these guitars for this book uh just to follow up with the coffee thing have you run into anybody who is like a total coffee freak or who's playing truly depends on coffee <laughs>
1: um apparently david torn is is a complete coffee fanatic wow. um, okay. he's not actually unfortunately in the book one of many people that that uh I just couldn't fit in there but um i don't i i didn't ask questions like that so i just don't know but i'm sure Mm -hmm. you'll find a couple you know there there are a lot of us out there
0: that's interesting to know david torn i wouldn't have expected that uh he's like a somewhat meditative player but uh that's good to know well um cool uh let's uh dive into some of the stuff about your book so um i i guess first of all uh just you've interviewed a ton of guitarists and as somebody who's relatively new to this, like interviewing people thing, uh, like, I think this will be episode 26 and you know, you have, uh, I'm sure a lot more than that of, uh, interviews with guitarists. So how do you think about interviewing and, uh, is there any sort of advice that you would lay on uh, a newbie who's interviewing
1: people? Well, I'm no expert. Um, but my goal with the book was to try to talk about substantive issues, both within and without music. And, and I, I didn't get it all into the particulars of guitar playing, um, gear or anything like that. It was more about process and life goals and background, obstacles, philosophy, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So I just try to have the most interesting conversation I can have with somebody. I asked, I, 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 just think to myself, well, what do I most want to know about this this person? And maybe that's about their music, and maybe it's other stuff too. That that's how it works, for me.
0: Uh, do you do you go in with like an agenda, or do you go in just sort of uh, feeling it out?
1: Uh, I usually, I always think about it and write down a few key issues for myself, but it, it pretty quickly veers just towards a conversation because I have so much in common with all these people. We just start talking, but I I definitely uh, have um, particular points that I want to cover, depending on who the person is. And it requires a little bit of thought and then it just kind of seems to flow. Beautiful, yeah.
0: Um, I interviewed uh, our mutual friend, David Rothenberg uh, in the previous episode. And uh, I found that I had to like draw out it, everything that I was going to do uh, in terms of our conversation. Cause I just wanted to hit all these points, but I, I feel like with you uh, being guitarists, we're going to sort of have it direct itself a lot more. So, um, yeah, uh, I guess, uh, in terms of, uh, these guitars that you interviewed, did you know, like, were you familiar with everybody's playing or did you, uh, was anybody unfamiliar to you?
1: No, I was familiar with everybody's playing some more than others, but, um, I guess there's I mean, there's not many people I'm not familiar with in, in this, you know, kind of very open area that I've involved myself in. And, um, you know, the, for the book I had, there's so many people that could have been in it that I pretty much had to at least start with a circle of players that were in my periphery. Um, cause even then I had to leave out friends and, you know, really great musicians. So, uh, I had to start with people who I knew something about and, and who I, I care, really cared about.
0: Um, did you interview anybody and it, you just didn't have room for them or, uh, I mean, it, I assume you've interviewed people beyond the 27 in the book.
1: No, I haven't. No, I, I just. I, I don't have anything in the can. <laughs> Maybe there's a book too someday. awesome yeah
0: um, I guess uh, so you say on your website that you're a guitarist, composer, educator and uh, I, I've always heard of this like uh, triad of you know guitarist composer improviser and I guess the improviser is kind of obvious in your case. Um, do you see any prioritization in terms of those uh, roles for yourself?
1: No. I just, uh, you know, different different months, sort of um, I might be emphasizing one more than the other. I probably spend a little more time composing than I do playing the guitar. Um, I enjoy it a little more. Um, but I guess they all kind of play off each other. Mm-hmm. And um, with the Guitar Summit, The education thing has become a little more prominent.
0: Um, And so uh, this summit that you're referring to is the Alt Guitar Summit. For anybody that doesn't know, Um, and so I was thinking about this, and uh, I feel like when I was like coming up as a guitarist, uh, it was all like the talk was always about modern guitar, modern jazz guitar, and uh, the choice of alt as a word is interesting. And I'm curious uh, what that means to you because. Uh, It seems like you you have a discerning collection of guitarists that you uh, affiliate with. And so uh, what does alt mean?
1: Well, not much is the honest answer. And that's sort of on purpose. Um, I'm looking for people who kind of uh, create their own path and um, have kind of a vision of something a little different. Um, And But alternative is sort of one of those uh, vague words like eclectic, you know, doesn't really mean that much, but, um, you know, it's uh, one of the things that I, I, I just chose the name and then I was sort of stuck with it, you know, it was too late to change. But pretty much most of the people that I work with um, are very unique thinkers. You know, they're they're an alternative to convention, I suppose you could say.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, It seems also like, you know, a lot of these people are like fairly modern, innovative players, but um, a lot of them are, you know, like, I mean, you have Ralph Towner in there. And so like, uh, you have these legends of different varieties, but uh, does Alt have, is it agnostic in terms of like modern versus uh, tradition or innovation versus, you know, uh, tradition, that type of thing?
1: No, I just I just think, um, you know, they all share a questing spirit. And and there's really not that many so-called legends in the book. There's only, a you know, three or four. A lot of them are or more under the radar players.
0: All sub legends, no. Um, I mean, uh, by my standards, most of them feel legendary. So, um,
1: Yeah. Well, maybe five or six.
0: <laughs>
1: um, well, uh,
0: so I, I saw also that you studied with Mick Goodrick, among others. Um, and so uh, something I love about Mick and his work is just how exhaustive it is. And, um, you know, you interviewed Wayne Krantz as well and Ben Maunder. And all these dudes have like this very exhaustive quality to what they do. Um, like I you know when I was in college, I, I sent Ben Monter an email saying, like, hey, can I take lessons with you? And he was basically like, Here's this one sheet of stuff to practice. And that one sheet was worth more than college, I feel like. And so um I'm <laughs> wondering what you can say about uh this exhaustiveness and any sort of uh Mick Goodrick stories you wanna share.
1: Oh. Well, it's actually kind of beyond comprehension his books it just (laughs) what a unique mind and and that type of um attention to completeness is completely foreign to me it's it's just not my way of doing things and it's it's amazing um I interviewed him once for an article, and I learned a little bit more about that. And you know, it's just the way his mind works. But um, you know, these guys are kind of obsessives, mm-hmm. and and it's what makes them so good. And um, I, I just think that they're perfectly comfortable spending. Hour after hour in a dimly lit room, sort of like monks in a in a cell, just uh, you know, creating this calligraphy that will hopefully last for a thousand years. Um, it would drive me nuts. But I'm just not made that way. Um, it's so impressive. Mick Goodrick's stories. Well, you know, I studied with him a long, long time ago, and, and that was a different time in his life. But um, uh, he would say really wild stuff, you know, back then, like, um, you know, when you're soloing, sense the tear ducts in your eyes. Okay. Or he'd say something like, try to destroy your solo in the middle of it. hmm interesting you know stuff to kind of break you i suppose to break you out of your habitual thinking yeah
0: just stir things up Hmm. yeah um would you
1: always had that that mastery of cord work Hmm. even way back when and it really got me started on that and i've always been fascinated with it ever since
0: Hmm. um i mean it, you know, you went uh, interviewed Wayne Krantz and uh, others, and Wayne has like his improvisers OS, and that to me seems like a. I know, I
1: saw that. It, it's mind blowing to me. I just, I looked at it, and I just got, kind of, got faint and put it back down.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, how would you uh, contrast your approach to things, uh, you know, to like somebody like Wayne or uh, Ben or uh, Mick?
1: You mean teaching? Uh, is it teaching stuff.
0: Teaching or shedding or
1: uh, just enjoy. Oh. Well, number one, those guys practice way more than me. (laughs) Uh And it shows in their playing. (laughs) So we could start there. Um, Number two, I... uh, My mind tends to jump all over the place. and, And I'm always going from project to project and sort of thinking as an arranger and a composer and stuff. And those guys are true guitar players. They write for the guitar. They play the guitar. They lead bands with the guitar. It's all about that. And, and I'm often on my own records, not even featured. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, that's one difference.
0: Yeah. It seems like, a at least, I mean, when you think of the guitar and like a, the sort of mainstream sense of some, some guy playing, open chords and uh whatever uh, am I getting at? uh I, there's i guess an ego problem with guitar that uh i'm glad that you don't seem to have and i try to avoid as well but uh, i mean do you feel like there's an ego problem
1: you know i might have at one point but honestly every last person in this book is beyond all that mm-hmm. right they really are which is so refreshing i don't think there's a single person in the book who's got that competitive edge that makes you just sort of not want to be around them <laughs> which we've all experienced but um no I would say in, in large part you know for instance Julian Lodge wrote the introduction and, and he he comments on the sort of conviviality of the guitar community and I, I really feel that mm-hmm. uh, at least in the circles I run in
0: Um, With somebody like, you know, Pat Metheny in there, uh, can you speak to like what motivates uh, the greatness in these people then if there's no, uh, you know, ego motivation or that
1: kind of like more uh, toxic? Well, come on, let's be fair. There's ego motivation for all of us. I mean, I don't know if you can get as good as these people get without wanting to be the ruler of your own kingdom (laughs) to some to some degree. But. There is a common trait that I noticed amongst um, some of the more advanced players. And that is this this monomaniacal focus that every moment should be spent in pursuit of this goal. And nothing else is really as important. And so even when you're talking to some of these folks, you feel like they're just just, being very nice to you but they can't wait to go home and
0: practice. (laughs) Interesting. Do you think that they can't wait to go home and practice more so than they can't wait to go out and perform?
1: Or one or the other.
0: Um, Interesting. Well, uh, I guess uh, of everybody that you interviewed, who whose woodshedding sort of protocols were you most impressed by or most uh, surprised? Oh,
1: I didn't talk about that. You know, everybody practices really hard. That much I know. I didn't want to depress myself by learning how much more they practice than me. Right.
0: <laughs> I guess, like, uh, I, you know, I am a big maunderhead myself. And uh, the, it, there are all these, like, legendary stories I was hearing back in the day. And, like, he was telling me about, um, you know, like, this whole, like, trying to practice for twenty hour, 24 hours straight thing. And uh, so I'm looking for examples of, like.
1: I, I don't know if that's true. I never asked him. But, you know, he's very monastic. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, you know, they only made one Ben Monder, right. (laughs) And when you see what he does, it kind of makes sense that, yeah, you would have to work on that, just that one piece for about 400 hours to be able to do it. Right. And by the way, you're the only living person who's going to ever be able to play that piece until (laughs) some next generation comes along and decodes that. Totally. Yeah. Um, there's nothing that I play that somebody else can't play. Mm-hmm. I don't have that kind of technique. <laughs> Very few people do. Right. It's just shocking what the, what he brings to the table. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I guess like uh, the willingness to explore these stretchy chords. Uh, like I just feel like there's such a unwillingness among other guitarists to even touch
1: those. Like uh, I remember back. Well, you've got to be, like, be your- careful not to injure yourself, right? And his hands are huge, mm-hmm. so I wouldn't dream of playing the, some of those chords because I would injure myself. And, you know, so you got to be careful and realize that that guy's hands are monstrously long. Mm-hmm.
0: Sure. <laughs> um, well, uh, so, you know, you mentioned that you didn't want to talk about gear stuff in the book. Uh, and I, myself, as a, I've always been like a gear minimalist, I guess. Uh, like I prefer to just you know, play guitar, play music, that type of thing. But. Uh, Guitar, also more than other instruments, I think, seems to have a a gear fetishization problem. Um, Do you identify as like a gear minimalist or where where do you put yourself on that spectrum of minimal?
1: Well, no, I would say that it's just in the past number of years that many guitar players have started to create whole different sound worlds with different effects that are being made. And so there's so many of them now and there's a really unique stuff going on. It's pretty fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I've sort of gone in and out of that. Some of my records have more of that than others, but I find it kind of, I, I, you know, I get a little, I don't like to bring too much stuff with me. I, you know, stuff's always breaking or you know, I don't like hauling huge pedal boards and then forgetting how things work. So, you know, I'm a little bit more minimal, but there's been times when I've showed up to gigs with, you know, 12 pedals and stuff. So, uh, I'm all for it. If, if, if people really take the time to use them in a musical way, it can be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, uh,
0: in terms of, you know, the different guitars that you talk to, uh, I feel like you can cluster some of them, uh, up with others, like, you know, I feel like obviously like Pat Metheny is like central to a lot of the other guitarists there. Um, but how would you, if you were to cluster any to like have a few schools of thought, uh, like maybe like three or four, uh, how, I don't know if this is a ridiculous question to you, but like, how would you maybe like break them up into groups?
1: Hmm. Well, there are people who are schooled in the bebop tradition, Metheny, Mike Stern, Cheryl Bailey, you could throw any jazz tune in front of them and they'll play the Jesus out of it. Um, there's, there's other folks who are much more kind of noise experimental, um, kind of creating sound worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, Rafiq Batia, Anthony Pirog, who's does a lot of stuff, but, um, he definitely does that. Uh, Henry Kaiser. Oh yeah, definitely. Henry Kaiser. Um, and then there's guys who are a little bit more kind of from this, uh, rock perspective, Nels Klein, Mm -hmm. um, Vernon Reed, but, you know, really amazing improvisers in any setting you put them in. Mm -hmm. Um, and I suppose, oh, Fred Frith, what am I talking about? (laughs) I should have put him in, in with the, uh people who are you know creating sonic worlds mm-hmm. um yeah so all different flavors but but you know so many of the folks that i value can kind of do a lot of different things mm-hmm. and and have a curiosity to try different things and though all of them are sort of people who inhabit various worlds whether it's composing or you know sound collage making as well as improvising and um, that's kind of what's so neat about the guitar. It's, it's really can in- involve so many different worlds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And including just playing blues and, you know, totally. Yeah, I some- guess. Cool. Okay, good. All right. We're back <laughs>
0: after, uh, some discon- where were we? Uh, let's see here. We were, uh, we we're talking about different, uh, I guess like schools of thought, um, rock uh, guitarists like the influence of blues rock, um, different stuff like that. I I was gonna ask uh, sort of like where does uh the classical and the nylon string and stuff come in here? Um, uh, it, where's uh, an interesting intersection with uh that world? Would you say?
1: You know, I didn't really get involved much in that with this book. Um, although I love that stuff. Mm-hmm. There's almost no nylon string players except Ralph Towner. I mean, people, I'm sure, dabble in it, Mm -hmm. including Pat Metheny, who uses it, you know, to great success in certain of his pieces. But there's mostly just electric guitar players in this. So, you know, I just. Another book or something (laughs) needs to be written about that.
0: Um, I'm I'm curious if you're familiar with the guitarist Dushan Bogdanovich.
1: I have heard that name, but I don't think I'm familiar with.
0: Um he's uh this Serbian guitarist and he, he did a record back in the day with like Charlie Hayden and it's really great stuff, but uh, uh I mean he's much more known as like a classical composer, guitarist guy. Um, but uh really interesting dude to check out. And the other person like,
1: Oh yeah, 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 yeah.
0: He's amazing. Um the other guy is uh Jasmonti. Gismonti. Uh these are just my two like uh people that I got
1: Oh man, that guy's incredible. <laughs> Well, um, Incredible. So oh, I'm sorry. By the way, Wolfgang Muthspiel is a is a virtuoso classical guitar. So I, I take that back. He's in the book. And he's probably, an yeah. extraordinarily extraordinary nylon string player. Yeah. I um. That, yeah. I love Egberto Chistante. Is he still alive?
0: I believe so. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I think I,
1: I I haven't heard his name in a while. Um. That's a horrible thing to ask about somebody, but mm-hmm. you know, no, no. I've... But yeah, he he. I used to really love listening to him, for sure. Yeah.
0: Um, well, so in terms of a uh, you know, uh, guitarists that are no longer here, uh, that makes me think of uh, a few people. Among them is Alan Holdsworth, and I'm a, a huge Alan fan. Um, and I, I feel like Alan is like sort of oh, almost like a self-hating guitarist. Like he, you know, always wanted to play a horn. And uh, I'm curious if you have any thoughts on this, like uh, people who almost wish that they weren't guitarists, uh, who you know, just, uh, have other interests like being a horn player or a drummer or whatever.
1: Yeah, no, I don't have too many thoughts on that. I think Alan Holdsworth had a legendary sort of, you know, self-defeating attitude, even though he played better than everybody. So it's hard to explain. It's, it seems like kind of a burden to carry around though.
0: Mm Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, I also saw that you studied with Jimmy Weibel. Um, I got the pleasure of seeing him uh, towards the end of his life doing a, a clinic at USC. Um, do you have any stories or lessons that you took away from uh, your time studying with him?
1: Well, he was a beautiful man, just a really kind soul. And, you know, I didn't spend that much time with him. But that, that whole thing about contrapuntal guitars mm-hmm. You know very few people have explored, and I think it's really incredible. And I'm a little bit trying to work on that stuff and get back into it, but he had a pretty unique um focus on that, which mm-hmm. is really cool.
0: Yeah, I agree. And yeah.
1: also, he played with Bob Wills, which is I didn't even realize when I studied with him.
0: Are you a big Bob Wills fan?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, love that stuff.
0: My dad is a, a big, big fan of him and uh, all the roly-poly and the little noises that yeah, he makes well, in the background yeah. and the stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, cool. man.
0: Well, um, so, uh, you know, a lot of these dudes that you interviewed are big innovators. Uh, I'm curious uh, where you see innovation in guitar currently and uh, if you think that there are any like, uh, you know, low hanging fruits uh, for places to innovate uh, or just you know, uh, interesting areas for the modern guitarist to explore?
1: Well, there's definitely a lot of people making sounds on the guitar that were kind of inconceivable 10 years ago with Mm -hmm. electronic uh, manipulation. It's kind of interesting. Um, I also think there's a way in which there's a, a growing amount of people who are incorporating cultures from around the world into their improvising. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: Anybody that comes to mind?
1: Man, why am I spacing out on this South African nylon string player who's playing all that African music? Lionel Leonel? I'm spacing. But, um, you know, Nguyen Lee is kind of on the forefront of that, mm. also. Um, but uh, you know, one of the things that's kind of freaky is everybody's so, so technically good now. Mm-hmm. It's just these people go to school and they're being trained really well, and they're working hard and it's just, God, amazing.
0: Mm-hmm. Um. So I feel like when I look around on YouTube uh at guitar related stuff, a lot of the time I see this this thing that I I guess I'll call like the phenomenon of the guitarist alone in a room with some MIDI's. And like it seems like yeah. they're really comfortable with their MIDI band. Um and as somebody who, you know, likes to write complicated music, I've definitely like experienced not having people who want to play with you because you write <laughs> complicated shit. But uh uh I don't know, where like so many of these guitars are fascinated with just like shredding, you know, in the craziest way. Um, where do you think guitar technique is headed? Uh, because I feel like that's, that's not that interesting who can play the fastest, but we've got a top out on technique eventually, right?
1: It's just shocking to me. I can't even imagine playing at a quarter the speed of some of these guys. Do. Mm-hmm. It's especially the metal guys. I just don't, I, I so don't, I'm not a fast player. And it's just mind boggling to me. I mean, (laughs) yeah, I mean, you can only play so many notes per second. So (laughs)
0: um,
1: I don't know what to say about that other than those, those typically aren't the type of people I listen to. Right. Same here. I kind of appreciate it in a a weird way,
0: like in an athletic Uh, way.
1: (laughs) Pretty amazing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't watch sports a lot, but. When I do, I'm amazed at the ability. <laughs> yeah. That type of thing.
0: Um, I mean, yeah. If we can't get any faster than that, and if we can't get any stretchier than Ben Monder, and we can't, uh, you know, play more than six notes, I don't know, like. Uh, where do you think people will be innovating technique wise in the next, uh, you know, however long?
1: God, I just don't know.
0: I mean, the effects realm seems like it's um, a little bit more ripe for uh, development. And that's like a nice modern extension of just like classic yeah. technique. But um,
1: and people playing seven and eight and ten string guitars, that's mm-hmm. going to be happening more. Um, I think people incorporating Indian music is going to happen more. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, I don't know. I hope people just play with more soul than I ever did though mm. that's my goal <laughs> how about that that's fair. how about that for innovation move it, me
0: innovating on uh soul involved how do
1: you innovate, innovate on soul my heart you know <laughs> cuz i don't really care too much about that it's of interest to me but mm-hmm. in the end you know music has got to be about touching our hearts and souls or, or else I, it's just a math problem
0: mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, nothing wrong with a math problem, though. Um,
1: it- well, yeah, that's just not what I'm personally attracted to. There's nothing wrong with any of it, mm-hmm. but but I that's why I listen to music. I don't listen for for technique mm-hmm. uh, or or anything like that.
0: Um, let's see here. Uh, I guess uh. I- so I, in looking at your website, I am seeing basically that you very much have your shit together uh, and you know, you have this alt guitar summit, you have uh, albums and a book coming out and I'm curious, uh, just, you know, uh, how, what sort of like practical tips would you offer a, a career guitarist or a career musician? Hmm. And uh, when did those occur to you? Like, when did you uh, come to them? <laughs> well,
1: To answer? The, the last question too late in life. <laughs> And and second, if if you look to me for career advice, you're in trouble because I've made a lot <laughs> of the wrong choices in terms of career by trying to do a whole lot of different things and never being categorized mm-hmm. and not learning how to read well enough and not getting a master's degree. Mm-hmm. All these things that really I, I should have paid attention to a little more because they lead. To more su- su- steady employment, if nothing else. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think also that, um, you know, the prime component in all this is curiosity. Mm-hmm. And if you're genuinely curious about learning and growing and exploring, and, and when you don't have that, you're playing. It goes dead in the water. Mm-hmm and you'll see that with with you know side men who just play in other people's bands or just do bar music you know they're not interested in growing or learning they just mm-hmm. kind of hack out the same stuff all the time and uh you know nothing wrong with that but in terms of the way I've led my life I've always tried to make music an act of discovery mm-hmm. and by doing that it led me to making the book and and the camp and, you know, um, I just learned so much from the people in the book and in the, and in the camp. And that's what it's all about for me. Just keeping, keeping myself fascinated by the whole process. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, in in this camp and just in, uh, you know, getting to know all these different guitarists, um, I'm curious if you've had any sort of mundane insights, like, There's this whole thing on YouTube of just people, you know, showing what they eat in a day or like something where it's like very bland things of this is how I live. And uh, are there any sort of like interesting things like what people choose to eat for lunch that you think is worth noting?
1: No, I I completely disdain all of that. It's just a waste of time. I, de- I unfriend people who put shots of their meals <laughs> on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit.
0: That's fair. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> all right. Well,
0: uh, <laughs> I mean, so there. You don't find any interesting insight in any of the mundanity of uh, any of the guitar players you've talked with, like uh, any sort of like.
1: I do, but if, but if I. Oh yeah, absolutely. But I'd like to conduct that in person. Sure. I don't need to know. I don't need to. Oh yeah, yeah, Go online to learn about them.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm not uh, suggesting that you. Of course, have to do
1: they're all. Yeah. yeah, they're just all quirky, wacky people. Of course, they're all a bit crazy. That's what's so delightful about it.
0: <laughs> I see. So uh, the insight is maybe just uh, the value of weirdness, and.
1: <laughs> yeah. All these people think outside of the box and they're all so smart. You get talking with them about anything, you know, I love that. Not just about music.
0: Um, what are some of the like uh, most out there topics that you get into with uh, these guitarists that are unmusic related?
1: None of them are out there, but we'll, we talk about race and gender and politics and um, music business and struggles and, you know, roadblocks and breaking through and how to persevere just stuff like that
0: mm-hmm. well i gotta say in the book i i gotta appreciate the the diversity of the uh guests and there. like uh you know there's I, I feel like a very uh very white portion of the guitar world and it's great to yes uh you know people of color women uh all sorts of different individuals um is there anything that you um think is worth mentioning in that respect
1: well i wish that the guitar world wasn't so much white males Mm -hmm. uh you could theorize on why that's true um but it is definitely very much that and that may be changing i don't know certainly more women are playing the guitar now which is Mm -hmm. great but uh, that just can't happen soon enough it's such a boys club
0: right yeah
1: (laughs) Oh, by the way, I, I don't know if you mentioned it before, but I, I just want to know, make sure people do know the name of the book, Guitar Talk, Conversations mm-hmm. with Visionary Players. Um. Uh, and well, there's 27. Yeah, I think you mentioned that, 27 interviews and in, in all. Some are shorter, some are longer. But, uh, yeah, all the players are. are really interesting people.
0: And I really appreciate the way that you uh, organize the book as well, because it provides, you know, the actual raw interview uh, content, uh, you know, in like an interview format, as well as kind of uh, some nicely formatted things and some commentary uh, that I think gives it nice context. So um, eh, anybody who wants to check it out, it's it's a very interesting book out on Terra Nova Press. Um, and so I saw that you also did this uh, uh, album of a similar name, Guitar Talk. Um, and it's duets with the different guitarists. Uh, do you want to talk yeah. about that at all?
1: Oh yeah. Well, um, I just decided to, at one point, let me write some fairly simple music just to play with other guitarists. It's just, just so we can really improvise and have fun, and not not make it too technical. Mm-hmm. And um, so I just called a few of my favorite players and asked them if they do that. We, we put this out. Uh, you know, it's pretty intimate, uh, stripped down. Two guitars, one tune has three guitars, and I put it. I decided to start a little label, AGS Alternative Guitar Summit Recordings, and it's just on Bandcamp. And it's you know, it's very intimate, kind of modest affair. Mm-hmm. Ben mondra Steve Cardenas, Steve Swallow, um, David Gilmore, and Pete McCann are the guitarists who play with me. Two tunes each.
0: Very cool. Um, it, that made me just I think. Now I'm I'm curious. You know, you mentioned uh, that you you enjoy Scott LaFaro a lot. Um, and I saw that you did a a record of the music of Paul. M- I'm curious what your pronunciation motion,
1: is. Yeah, Paul motion, yeah, motion. Okay,
0: interesting. I hear so many different pronunciations, and I I'm afraid to. Uh, yeah, that's the on.
1: correct one. <laughs> yes, I arranged his. You know, he's a drummer, mm-hmm. jazz drummer, but also a really interesting composer. Of kind of relatively simple elliptical tunes and i arranged his music for a string quartet and two guitars very cool um well, i think yeah one of my more unusual projects for sure
0: yeah um i guess i i always heard that he pronounced it one way and then other people are saying it another way so just curious uh, oh, well that
1: could be <laughs> hey i'm no authority
0: i mean i i think you're probably right because i heard that he said motion but um anyway uh so let's see here uh I guess I'm I'm curious, uh, you know, you're an educator uh, for guitar and you have like this organizational skill to have created the summit. Uh, do you have tips in terms of, uh, you know, that world uh, in terms of like, you know, getting guitars together to, you know, do worthwhile things and like share, uh, you know, uh, content and learn from each other? Like what, what started that part of your career?
1: Oh man, I don't know. I, I I am pretty good at organizing things. Like taking a band on tour, I always say, is like leading a, a an army into war. So yeah. you have to be really tactically prepared. Um and that's just some people's minds work like that. Um but um I think it's it is it is useful to to see what it's like on the other from the other side or you know be the organizer rather than mm-hmm. participant it gives you a lot more insight into what you know producers and club owners and stuff go through
0: mm-hmm. yeah um in scoping out some of the details of it i was i was very impressed by you know uh I just as a guitarist who has no uh, capacity in that respect i was like whoa this is uh, this dude has shit together so that's why i had to ask about it,
1: it is it really it is sometimes i i'm amazed that i pull certain stuff off <laughs> it, it's kind of crazy mm-hmm. um but you know just get used to it and for some of it's just very practical
0: mm-hmm. um well i'll just uh ask a few quick questions then uh we can sign off um uh, i i forgot to mention this when we were talking about alan holdsworth but uh in terms of, like, uh, guitarists that are no longer with us, if you could bring any, uh, like, a few Back from the Dead to uh, be in the book, who who would be intensive
1: oh. oh, God. Man, there's so many. Jim Hall, Jimi Hendrix, mm-hmm. um, Vic Juris, Uh Man, what about putting Robert Johnson in there? Okay. That's an innovator. Um, Yeah, that's a good start. Cozy.
0: (laughs) Um, Let's see here. I I guess I forgot what the other thing I was going to ask was. But uh, yeah, I guess uh, that's covered a lot of uh, territory, though. Uh, So the book is, again, uh, Guitar Talk, Conversations with Visionary Players uh, on Terra Nova. And then the other album is a uh, guitar talk, which is guitar duos. And then the last album that you recently put out is this uh, other river. Uh, do you want to talk about that at all?
1: Oh, well, that one was about four years ago.
0: Oh shit. I, I saw it. I the thought it was coming recent. out this year.
1: <laughs> no, the most recent one is America at war. It's a big band record, 18 musicians. Uh, I'm really proud of that on the Sunnyside label. Awesome. Yeah. That's got a lot of composing and great playing on it.
0: It's funny. I, I thought that the other river was a, a new one because I saw that uh, on your Instagram, and it was as if it was today. So I was like, "Oh shit!" You know, this another record. But uh, uh, I'm you know, glad to. Yeah,
1: I don't know. I, it's probably because my Instagram page is so outdated. Right. Cool. Cool.
0: Well, um, anything else you want to talk about before we close off?
1: Um, I don't think so. Um, I. I But I do appreciate you taking the time to do this.
0: I appreciate you doing it as well. Yeah. Um, Cool. Well, Joel Harrison, thanks so much for uh, talking to me. Uh, I'll uh, talk to you later in the future.
1: John, thank you very much. Take care. Thank
0: you.